man. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. Man, uh, it's such such a comp- complicated thing to, you know, to dive into because there's so many different areas, man. But I kind of try to keep it in line with what we've been seeing recently, right? Mm-hmm. We've been seeing solidarity in these protests. Um, we've, seen, we've seen so many different instances of peaceful protesting, and we've seen a lot of good things come out of it. Um, but the thing that always has been catching my eye a little bit is that because of one or two people or a handful of people at these protests that are in there throwing things or and they're breaking stuff and they're, you know, they're, they're rioting and they're tearing up stores, you really pay attention to how the media covers this stuff. And I'm not just talking about like a Fox News. I'm talking about all of the media because I, I try to keep my eye on how all of mainstream media is covering things, right? Because really Twitter is probably the best news source out there. You know, when you have videos on the ground from people that are, you know, out there in these protests that are showing you literally everything that's happening versus how the media takes what they find and what they put into their little segment on air at the nightly news, like how are they covering it? And you see like, some of them are saying, you know, violence is, is the main message that these people are trying to send. You have some of them saying Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization and all of this thing and all these talking heads saying all of this stuff that's just so inaccurate based on, I don't know if they're trying to fearmonger their viewers or what, but the message gets lost very, very easily in the shuffle, right? And the message that we're all trying to send out is, look, stop killing people. If you're in a position of authority, if you're a police officer, stop killing people, for one. Stop being racist. <laughs> like, I know that's like a very, very simple statement to make, but it's very, very complicated to solve because you can't just walk up to someone and identify that they're racist just by looking at them, right? You have to know how that person thinks. You have to pay attention to their actions, their past, what they've done, um, and pay attention to how they move when they have a position of power. You can get someone that's been relatively calm or relatively quiet, so to speak, you know, when it comes to like their past and their record or maybe they don't even have a criminal record or whatever have you. But all of a sudden they get a police badge and you see a lot of discrimination. And that's kind of part of it, too. Right. To be a cop is very hard. Let me put that out there. It's very hard. It's a very hard job to do. But at the same time, you don't you don't have to be so discriminatory. And I've seen a lot of examples of police from working a leadership position in a retail store, big box retail store, to where we would have to rely on police officers coming in to arrest people that were stealing from us, right? You see a lot of things um, from a loss prevention standpoint. You have to kind of identify potential threats to the inventory, right, when they walk in the door. Some folks are wearing it. Some folks are just wearing it when they walk through the door. That dude looks shady as fuck. I need to keep an eye on him. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're not. Sometimes it's the clean-cut dude that's in the polo, in the slacks, who's actually back there stealing stuff. I had that happen more often, more times than I would like to think. So you can't just rely on appearance only when you're doing these sort of 
judgmental roles where you kind of have to prejudge people and kind of keep an eye on them based on how they look. And that's what we see in the, in the police world where so many times black people are given, given this label of being the, being the quote unquote thug or being the, the troublemaker just because of the color of their skin. Whereas that could not be further from the truth. A lot of times, Mm -hmm. just because a person, just because a person lives in a low income area and they have dark skin does not mean that they are out there committing crimes. A lot of, I mean, these people are born into these situations and a lot of time, a lot of these people just want to make it out of there Mm -hmm. or just go to work, provide for their family. Who cares if they're sitting on a block, sitting out on their front porch, having a conversation with their neighbors. That does not mean they're doing criminal activity, but when cops roll through, cops think that and i know that like you said like you've been through all different walks of life right you've seen the low-income areas to the high-income areas i have been there too man like my grandparents grew up in a very low-income area i specifically and vividly remember the night where i was staying there and my cousin was staying there and all of a sudden gunfire breaks out and bullets hit her door she had you know the tin like the uh the metal screen door on her back door Bullets ricocheting off that door, sounding loud as fuck in the middle of the night, waking us both up. I remember me and my cousin had to wake up, get under the bed. My because my grandpa came in the room, like get under the bed, get under the bed. We go out there the next morning. You see the you see the bullet laying right there on the patio door. Like it's just stuff like that. I witnessed growing up, right? So yes, there are some elements in these neighborhoods, but it's not everybody. And that's the problem because we see so many incident, incidents of racism. You see all of these videos of these guys, these, these police officers who are supposed to serve and protect. They're not serving and protecting whatsoever. They are putting people in a box. And they, don't, they, they look for a reason to use, to use excessive force. And a lot of times they're not even really looking. They're wanting to use that excessive force, right? I shared a video uh, just yesterday or last night that came out, a video from Austin of a guy. It was another I can't breathe, another I can't breathe incident where they pull the guy out of his car. They try to wrestle his arms behind his back, and he tells them as soon as he gets him on the ground, I have congestive heart failure. I have congestive heart failure. I can't be laying on my chest like this on the ground with you trying to rip my arms out. Police do not pay attention, man. They do not care. And that kind of that's like the interesting thing, right? The police officers are so they have this tunnel vision. When they get into these altercations, their main goal is I'm putting you in handcuffs no matter what. No matter what. I I don't care what you're telling me right now. You could be telling me I'm dying. I literally cannot breathe, but I don't have you in handcuffs yet. So I'm ignoring everything you're telling me. But then once you're in those cuffs, once you're in the handcuffs, then they pay attention to how you look. Oh, wait, you can't breathe. And now I have to render first aid. So now I have to pay attention to literally every health issue to potentially save your life. So you ignore all of the health issues two seconds ago. Now that the cuffs are on, boom. Now I have to pay attention to all the health issues to try to save your life. There's a vast disconnect right there <laughs> in that short period of time. And well, then you're also assuming that they are going to render competent first aid as well. 
So there's so many issues, man, that needs to be addressed and police reform and all this kind of stuff. And I don't know the, the right way to do it, but there, I mean, clearly, clearly something needs to be addressed immediately. And right now, and that's what we're seeing from all these protests. We're seeing immediate change take place with different cities implementing different plans. We've got Dallas implementing the, the duty to intervene, which is something that should have been in place from day one. But we're seeing change just from all these protests in the past week. What happens if we keep doing this for a month? What happens? How much, how much change can we impact? I wanted to invite you guys to have these difficult conversations even if there's just one person that needs to hear what we say and it changes their outlook or they just consider a different perspective, consider your perspective. And my hope is that, uh, you know, the Tommy Larens of the world actually listen to what we're saying. I'm not fluent in white boy, but I speak enough of it so I can, I can break some of this shit down because I can already hear the collective size of some people who would hear the words you say go, uh, he's just whatever. Before you do that, though, let me tell you what my man is trying to say here because I can vouch for it. I agree. Cops, listen, man, if somebody fucking rapes a baby or, or beats an elderly woman to death or fucking, you know, kills a kid, guess what? It happens all the time. First responders are the people that got to be there and they got to deal with that, man. That's, that's heavy shit. It's hardcore. We don't have a problem with that at all. We, we, we respect and appreciate what they do. We have more than enough evidence, though, that shows that the policing standards in general for black people, if nothing else, just based on the, the way the numbers are skewed by the way they're policed in the highly concentrated black communities, shows us that there is, is clearly a different standard. Now... You talked a lot about um, some of the crime, these being high crime areas and dangerous. But again, to your point, that is, that is not indicative of black people. That is a byproduct of poverty. And if you really right. wanted to break that shit down, you could take that. We could have a whole other podcast about breaking that all the way back to the time that Africans were poached from their home country and brought here for for centuries and, and subjugated in the first fucking place. And then, Systemic racism. And then, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Lincoln shakes his magic wand, and then they say, well, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Uh, and then a hundred years later, we still had laws on the books that were, that, 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 were, that, that were proof that these people were less than human. They didn't have the same rights. They couldn't even use some of the same facilities, the basic things that, that a human being needs, a good education. And yet, in a way, we still... This is going to be part of my rant, though, is, is mm -hmm. that I want to tell people who, you know, you mentioned systemic racism. I prefer the term systemic inequality simply because a system itself can't be racist because it's 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 it is run by humans but in itself is intangible and inorganic but because therefore it can't think it has no consciousness but it is driven by people so i get why i get what you mean when you say that in other words uh you know i'll give you a little spoiler that that i plan on talking about 
you you tell me if you if you don't see the problem, answer me this: When's the last time you went to a black community? I'm talking to you, Tommy Laren. I'm talking to all you Fox uh-huh. News motherfuckers. When is the last time that you actually went to a black neighborhood? And when, did you get out of your car? Because I guarantee you, 90% of the time, even a lot of these freaking, you know, these lefties, these, these college punks, white kids who are going out to these uh, rallies just to take selfies and get clout on the internet, because you know that shit's happening too. I Damn. see y'all. I Literally see y'all. seen that. Literally seen that, yes. Oh, well, the, or the lady trying to pretend like she's drilled, like fixing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not for people getting fired, but when it comes to stuff like that, I mean, you know, you're just being deceptive and a propagandist and a liar, and, and you just basically disrespected everybody who actually did something. So I see y'all people, too. And what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is this, man. Again, it's a byproduct of poverty. You, you go to a, ba- a black community, these people live and work in buildings that should have been fucking demolished 50 or 100 years ago, some of them. And you're expecting them to just uh, live in this, this forgotten part of society when basically our forefathers are the ones that tried to sweep this problem under the rug and pretend like they didn't cause it. Well, now that we have this big mess on our fucking hands, it's time that we stop lying to ourselves and say, uh, and say hey, you know what? Everything is equal. Okay, this is very complicated. It's a complicated issue. Human issues are always complicated, and people try to frame them as false dichotomies, and I'm here to to put a stop to that because I'm an anti-propagandist, and it's not that simple. It's not as simple as, you know, where, like I said, like a Tommy Laren would say, well, you know, black people, black people, this and that. First of all, it's insensitive when you say it in that tone, (laughs) first of all. And the timing is insensitive whenever there's an issue like this and then you want to turn around and instead grandstand about something p- political. And, ha- and how about, again, how about you just allow yourself to be wrong and be humbled and admit that, um, again, the majority of the black people in this country live in a community that you would never fucking live in. And furthermore, mm. if you took all of them, let's just say we did a social experiment, you uprooted them all, you put them all in white neighborhoods, you put all the white people in those fucking neighborhoods, well, guess what? I bet a lot of things would change. I bet you that the fucking cities and the counties and the states would be putting a lot more money into those, those run-down communities if white people lived in them, but they don't do that. They, 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 they say that the black people have de- destroyed those communities with, with their crime and their gang violence, but was it the chicken or the egg? Because, you, again, you put any disenfranchised, disaffected people into a community. And, and again, we could go on and on about this. I'm going to shut up. You go <laughs> ahead. No, man, that's, that's the, kind of the tough thing about, you know, societal issues, political issues, and, and bringing them into, like, a, a wide-open, um, quote-unquote, like, debate sort of thing because there's so many different examples you can recall and that's part of the issue that I got I have like when it comes to like MMA and stuff like I can recall a lot of shit right but when it comes to societal issues and political issues there's so many things that I forget off the top of my head they're like bam that would have been a great point to bring up right there when I go back and watch it later so that's why like I try to I'm not I don't shy away from political debates like and stuff like that but when it comes to really driving home the point there's things that I always forget to bring up in the moment. And I'm trying my best to not make that happen right here. But 
I will say, from the societal standpoint, like you were touching on, where people don't see how the other side lives, right? They don't see... And that's just one example. They're not seeing... No, how, yeah. They, they're not so seeing we, how people in those communities are policed. They're not seeing, right, again, exactly. how that's they the live. Yeah, Tying, they tying, it, in, tying it into the police issue, yeah. they don't see how the police treat them on a day-to-day basis. With right? impunity. With impunity. And it's, it, exactly. take, it takes outrage for, for, for people to get arrested for doing shit that was clearly criminal. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I'm very passionate no, no. about it. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with you, man. And it's, it's one of those things where you have, you can grow up in one, one neighborhood, right? I'm sure the, the children that grew up in the neighborhood or that are growing up in the neighborhood that I live in right now, when they see a police officer roll through they're they'd be willing, Hey, how you doing? Sort of thing, you know, like wave, blah, blah, blah. If children like myself, when we saw cops to roll through the neighborhood that I grew up in when I was real little, it was, it was like the side eye sort of thing. It was like, don't draw too much attention to them. We don't want them coming over here and starting some shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're just outside enjoying ourselves, having conversations, not doing anything illegal. But, hey, the cops in this area, if they feel like it, they're going to come over and ruin your day. That sort of thing. So it depends on the neighborhoods that you grow up on. Your experiences are going to be vastly different. Your opinion of how police treat people are going to be vastly different. The point that you were getting at about shutting up and listening to people, because the, the experiences are so vastly different from one area to the next. And it could be one street over. It's vastly different. For example, I live maybe, what is it, four blocks away from one of the main highways here in DFW. On the other side of that highway, lower income area. Right on the other side of that highway, I guarantee you police are vastly different. You know why I know that? Because when I drive over there to go to the, one of the shops that I actually go to fairly often, the police presence is vastly higher over there, maybe, what, a thousand yards away <laughs> than it is right here. My boy, my, my boy got carjacked right over there, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know which area is. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, the, the, I mean, like... I guess to really tie it all together, man, is that listening to what people are saying who are from these areas that experience it the worst, just pay attention to what we're saying is is what we're we're trying to get out there, that message. Watch the videos of this stuff happening. Like, you can't make up a video. I know that some of these talking heads that you hear on the news try to tell you to not believe what your eyes are showing you when it's captured on 1080p video from your iPhone. We see what's happening. They're going to try to put a spin on it, whatever, whatever. No. The dude had a knee on his back of his neck, on the, on the back of his neck for eight minutes. You can't fake that. There's no, he died from pre-existing conditions to that. <laughs> like, there's nothing other than the knee on the back of that dude's neck that killed him. Okay? So when you take that into consideration that people are still going to try to spin it after the fact, it just shows you how deep it goes that people are going to try to, one, protect police officers. Two, police officers are always in, officers are always in the right. And three, the black people are always wrong. <laughs> like, th- those are three beliefs that are out there. Not necessarily that that's the case or that's the belief system from everybody, but that's the belief system that some people have. 
And it's because they can get away with it. Like I said, in, in, in these communities, you know, people that don't have the money to necessarily lawyer up or people who don't believe in the system, that there's anyone that they can turn to that's actually going to help them. I mean, and, and, you know, talking about shutting up and listen, the first time I got arrested was by the Dallas PD, and we just talked about them. That was actually on my list because you and I are from there, and, you know, Dallas uh, has a long and storied history with, with racism. I could tell you a couple of guys that I've, uh, that I've known. Um, uh, one, my former boss, when I sold Toyotas back in 07, this guy grew up in the civil rights era in Dallas, um, He's also a guy, though, that's like he's gotten it from both sides because he's, he's an older gentleman now, but he's married to a white woman. So he's, he's been called like Uncle Tom and everything else. But he's, he was telling me about growing up in Dallas. And, I mean, again, that's a whole other conversation, and I'd rather have him tell it if I could ever track him down. But, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like during the civil rights era, the, just the, the blatant racism, the, open, uh, the openness of it within in the community, within the system, within the police department, and it's just boiled over. I and mean, we've seen some really bad confrontations happen. We saw a march there where, where police were executed, but, of course, that was, that was by a lone actor. Um, you know, but that happened, and then uh, it's been pretty crazy lately, and I expect nothing mm-hmm. less the first time I got arrested, though, um, I was brutalized, and uh, I think I, I tweeted about it, and you commented or, or something. But um, yeah, man. And so, but when I got to jail, most of the guys in there are black, and there's nothing to do to pass the time but talk. And and you know, just you know, hearing some of the, the stories that these guys tell, they, there's nobody. This was back in, before the social media days. They're not doing this for clout. There's nobody there. We're in jail. There's no girls. There's nobody we're trying to impress. They're telling me stories, man. They're telling me in this. The other white guy, like the only white dudes in there, and mm-hmm. they're telling stories about the way that they're policed in those communities. Like they can literally walk down the street, be doing absolutely nothing, no probable cause, and they they can get stripped down, butt naked, humiliated, and strip searched as yeah. a as a as a uh, suspected drug dealer. For, and I'm like, dude, what, okay. And one other thing I wanted to add, though, again from another person I respect. I talked about him at the beginning of the podcast. So a few months back, a year or so, I decided to say, you know what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is because I have a lot of opinions. And, uh, you know, I, when I was younger, I was definitely more radical. And I was definitely, you know, um, I still listen to, you know, fuck the police on, 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 on 11, you know, in my car. But, you know, I've also matured and grown a lot about the way I, I approach things and the way I see things. But, Bottom line up front, I said, you know what? I respect the Las Vegas Metro PD. When they had the shooting here, 13 of them lost their lives protecting the citizens. And unlike Dallas, this is a city that actually has a pretty good relationship with the community because Vegas is a very um, – everyone here is virtually a tourist, you know? So it's, it's, it's almost like customer service in a way. I'm sure that the Metro PD, like anyone, uh, you know, not infallible, I'm sure they've had some missteps – but in general, they have a pretty good relationship with the community, and they're a pretty good police department. So, you know, I figured rather than complaining and, uh, you know, I'm still young enough. I think I could do it. Why not be part of the solution? So I applied. Surprising. I told them everything. I've been arrested three times. One is a drug charge, and another one is a felony gun charge. But those have been dismissed. So, but I, I was like, it's going to come up. So I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them everything. I'm going to take the written test. I did that. Passed it. 
PT test. I, I think there was like 150 people running. I was like the fifth, like third, fourth, or fifth guy to finish. Like I'm 38 mm-hmm. years old. I'm out here, and I'm like, "This is bring it on. I could do this. I could do this job really well." And I, I want to do this job. I'd like to infiltrate and, 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 and set an example. I know I'm going to come in there and I'm going to be this rookie and Boy Scout. I'm going to get bullied and people are going to make fun of me and shit. But, you know, who knows, man? So anyway, I did the written psych evals, about an eight-hour test, which is just a complete just a complete shit show, just brain damage, mm-hmm. you know, just typical shit. And then I had to do a face-to-face with a psychiatrist a few weeks later. I thought everything was fine. And then they just told me out of nowhere. And I, I suspect it's because of the medication that I'm on because the Army says I have PTSD and, and because I have a mood disorder, I have anger issues. But I'm like, even with all that, like, I still, my military background and experience, I could still use that. And so when Cedric called me, I was very upset that I didn't get, this is a guy I told you about, he's a firefighter. He called me, said, you know what the problem is, Rodney? He said, they don't want guys like you. They do not want people who are interested in coming out there to police with compassion and build a relationship with communities. Some police departments are, but in big cities, they're not about that. They don't care. They are about shoot first, ask questions later. Punch this guy in the mouth, put the perp on the ground, put your knee on his neck, get him in handcuffs. Hey, he's black. He's running. He must be doing something. Get him. That's what has to change, my friend. It's it's the climate. It's the culture. It's not just like we talk about these few bad apples, and, and I've used this analogy. You know, you can't, you know, you have some people have an extreme opinion and say, well, they're all bad because they let the. No, no, no. It's not about letting people do anything. It's like, that's like me saying, if you're a parent, you're responsible for all shitty parents. I can't influence everybody in what they do. I can try, and I know there's good people that try. I know them, I know them personally. And I wanted to try to be one of those guys because mm-hmm. if I'm in a situation where I see this with like George Floyd, I'm equal. I'm so disgusted when I see the the other police officer, that chubby little Asian fucker, who's standing there with his goddamn hands in his pocket. And the people who film that, people criticize them. I, I'm sorry, I I wouldn't have intervened, especially if I was one of those black folks. Are you kidding me? Because guess what? He might have fucking. George might have lived, but your ass would have went to jail. Nobody would have ever heard about any of this. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that I wanted George to fucking die, but I'm saying it cannot be in vain. That was more than uh, uh, a mistaken identity. That was not... Um, we've seen examples where it appears that a police officer targeted a black person or they just had an irrational fear of black skin, which is a form of racism. It's definitely a form of bigotry and intolerance at best. You know, and I think about some of those cases too. Yeah. You can't be like that. You have to police with compassion first. Everything else will fall into place. Yeah, I get there's criminals and you have to get aggressive with them, but you don't have to approach every fucking person like that. And George Floyd died for 20 goddamn dollars. And there's no sense of escalation of force. And that is something that is drilled into us immensely as a, as, a, as a soldier. Because I can tell you this. You fucking kill somebody that you're not supposed to kill in a combat zone? Oh, you bet your ass is going to be held accountable because now you're, you are representing the United States of America on the world stage. But for so mm-hmm. long, the police haven't given a shit about somebody looking bad for them. They just figure, hey, fuck it. We're going to keep doing what we do because we're the police and nobody can stop us. 
I said a lot there, man, but I have no, a man, lot of it's, things on my it's, mind. It's so on point because black skin, dark skin is not a threat. And that's the way a lot of these cops perceive it. So you're already you're already put into this box before you have any vocal interaction with these people that they roll up on. They see a black man, you know, wearing whatever. He could be wearing he could be wearing a suit. He could be wearing a torn up tee and, and some and some joggers. But they see the black skin first, so they're already going to treat you a certain way. Uh, and that's what is the biggest issue. Because you're you're in a no-win situation a lot of times. Um, I've had I'll tell this one story that is my most egregious example of racism from a position of authority um, was when I went to I went to Texas State, um, and we were at the time I was dating a white girl, right? Dated all white girls in high, in college. <laughs> well, but te- Texas this, State, man, who could blame you? I mean, hey, um, it's just the way it worked out. It wasn't like I was just, you know, specifically looking for that. But that's, hey, that's what happened. Okay. Anyways, so we were going to or we had dinner at, you know, one of the uh, one of the halls. And we, we drove there because it's, it's, it's like one of those things. Hey, you can walk it or you can drive it to get there in two seconds. So we drove. Okay. Have our dinner. Hop back in the car to go back to the dorm. And I get pulled over. Like, we're going like three blocks. I get pulled over. And as soon as we get pulled over, it's me. It's me and my my girlfriend at the time in the car. Get pulled over. Cop says, you rolled through that stop sign back there. And I was like, I immediately said, okay, I didn't think I did, but okay. You know, and I give him my license, registration, whatever. He goes, he comes back, get out of the car. Okay. <laughs> get back to the car. He tells me to stand by by, by the uh, by the trunk of the car. And proceeds to question me about the girl in the car. How do you know her? What's her name? How do you know her? What's her name? Um, oh, y'all are dating. How long have y'all been dating? Like, just what? a series of questions, right? Series of questions. What, what, was, it, was it her ex-boyfriend? Because that would make more sense. No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> that would just, make logical sense. He's asking just, you questions that are totally irrelevant to the situation. Right, Exactly. So here, this is when I'm like, as, he, as he's asking me these questions, I'm starting to like put two and two together. So it's like, all right, like as he's starting to ask me these questions, I start to get agitated, right? And I'm like, wait a second. Let me calm down because I see what he's doing here. So I just answer all of his questions. And then he's like, stand right here and don't move. I'm like, okay. He walks up to the girl and starts asking her, all of these series of questions, are you kidnapped? Do you know him? Are you okay? Is your life in danger? Literally, these questions were Like, is, is there a missing white girl and there's, like, a black guy who's the suspect? Again, any of these things exactly. would, would all, honestly be a viable, um, you know, reasoning. If, if, exactly. If there was a reason to think you had done anything. And so I'm... I'm just like dumbfounded at this point. I'm like, this dude is racist as fuck because he thinks that me being a black black man can't date a fine white girl. <laughs> like, I and I'm like, he asked the questions. I'll let him do it because I know if I pop off right now, he's gonna try to give me a handcuff. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna stay chill. And you know me, like how I speak normally. I'm articulate. I 
I speak with slang if I need to or whenever I want to when I'm with my boys. But like, hey, I can code switch. <laughs> You're more articulate than I so am. I code, I code switch the hell out of it. And, uh, you know, I'm just there letting him go through his thing. I'm going to let him do his thing. I'm not going to start any drama right now. I just ate. I'm feel, I was feeling great. I was in a great mood. Now I'm pissed off. By the way, pussy. I mean, you know. And I just let the whole interaction play out. And then towards the end, I'm like, you know, I kind of say, like, as he says, y'all have a good night. I'm like, interracial relationships are a thing. Roll up my window. And as we were driving off, and he did not give me a ticket for the speed or for the stop, quote unquote, rolling through the stop sign. He just pulled me over because when we're going through campus at five miles per hour, you can obviously see who's in the vehicle. You can see both people. He saw a black man with a white girl and was like, you know what? This looks suspicious to me because I'm racist. Let me go start some shit. Yeah, there, there's no. And then, there's, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, like, that's a very mild example because one of my best friends still to this day has a more egregious example of police interactions in that area. And I can share the story with you on Facebook. He got beat up and left for dead, literally, like maybe not even 20 miles from where that happened. And it's just an egregious story. Like the dude still has issues with his mouth and his jaw to this day because of what happened to him. Oh. And it's just all because he was a black man and just rolling through in, in his car. But I mean, I say all these things, man, racism is a thing that exists in these police forces and it has to be expunged. I don't know the best method of, of going about it, but I will say again, it's tied all together, man. Protesting works, whether you're a fan of the rioting and the looting and the violence that has come out of it. Obviously I'm not a fan of that part of it, but that grabs attention. And when you, when that grabs attention and as long as you don't lose the core message of why, why people are out there still protesting to today, we're what, uh, nine days, nine days out, 10 days out now it's still happening. Again, I say, like I said a minute ago, man, what happens if these protests keep up for a whole month? What happens then? Well, help me out with that, actually, because, yeah, that I'm having a hard time now because I understand the genesis being uh, Minneapolis. And uh, I understand the, the need for the civil unrest. And it goes back to what I was saying before. You know, you look at uh, we cannot have this conversation without talking about Ahmad Arbery, for God's sakes. The guy... Uh, you know, was actually lynched in a place where that was the normal practice not all that long ago. I mean, we're talking about a hundred years or less, you know, that that was still in practice. We saw it happen now. So to my point, as I was saying earlier, and we talk about systemic inequality dealing all the way back to the poaching of Africans to today, again, I must remind you folks, you Tommy Larens and all you types like that who just can't see it still, realize this, we... <laughs> We have been telling these folks for a long time, hey, you know what, 1865, we told them, hey, you're free, you're equal, you're, you're, you're covered by the Constitution. Oh, wait a second. That, like I said, we, the proof is in the pudding. It was literally uh, a handful of all those southern states in the Confederacy that were like, uh, yeah, no, fuck that. We're not going to let you still be equal. You're not going to let us keep you as slaves, but we're definitely not going to let you integrate with us. And they went to great lengths to prevent that, which obviously backfired tremendously, right? <laughs> you know, because now yeah. we're in a situation yeah. where people are simply trying to coexist. And I, I never like that word. I don't like the people with those bumper stickers, coexist. I coexist with the people <laughs> in my neighborhood that I don't know their first name. That's coexisting. 
No, we have no. We need harmony. We need solidarity, like you talked about before. Um, the modern day lynchings, the police brutality, all these things that continue to happen, the uh, the Starbucks incident, where it was almost like it was reminiscent of the kind of like uh, the you know the Deep South back, like hey, you can't sit in this fucking diner, or we're gonna beat your ass until you you know what I mean. And again, I must remind you all, this was in the late '60s. We fucking, and, and, and I'm looking at a lot of you white liberals too, because motherfuckers stood up with them. But you know what? A lot of times, Howard Stern went off about this the other day, because he's from, you know, he's from Roosevelt, Long Island, which is like a pretty rough neighborhood. That's where Flavor Flav is from, to just give you an example. Howard Stern's yeah. family, they never moved. He, and he talks about the hypocrisy of all the white liberals that, like, they, they would be like, they were super hardcore social justice warriors, but then as soon as black people would move to their neighborhoods, they were gone. Next thing you know, he grew up there and everybody moved out. His little Jewish family stayed and they just ended up living in, in, in a black community. And his point is like, you know, it's like, don't fucking just talk about it. Be about it. You know what I'm saying? Like you could be out there taking your selfies at your damn rallies and whatnot. But okay, so I, I, I got from, away from the point. I had a question. Now that we've gotten away, now, or now that we've gotten those, the rest of those officers arrested, I'd like to see some leadership emerge and try to get meetings with uh, people in positions of power, all the way up to the president, as far-fetched as that may sound. I'm wondering, though, it seems right now there's a lack of leadership, though, and it's a bit confusing as to why. What is, why is it continuing to go on? Like, in other words, what is the end game? I mean, I understand the general idea, but specifically, how do we get from here to there with the marches? Oh man! Um, so the main thing is. I mean, do you agree with that? Making, that we need we need leadership, and we need to establish dialogues with people in positions of power, and like and let 100%. them know that hey, there's demands, and that this is going to continue. We will not be satisfied until you make these changes. That kind of thing. Hundred percent. I mean, that's that's really like the step. That's step two of the process, right? Step one is get their attention. Step one is get their attention. So that's the writing, or I mean, that's the that's the protesting, the peaceful protesting, which is a majority of these things are. I don't want to. Rioting every time, peaceful protesting in large numbers, in mass, globally, multiple countries across the globe across the globe are in solidarity with these protests. So it's a big deal. Everybody knows what's really going on right here. Everybody's fed up with it. That's the thing. So that's step one. You grab everybody's attention, make people be willing to listen. That's where we are now. So the next part comes in to where you have the right people, the smartest people, the people that that have that power to go in and have these conversations with those that are already in those positions to make substantial change. You have to be able to get into the room, come sit at the table, let's talk about this, what can we do, what can we change right now? And that's already happening in some areas, right? That's happening in some places. Is it happening on a national, sta- on a national scale yet? No, not yet. But like you said, it does have to eventually escalate all the way up to the president. And unfortunately, right now, the man sitting in that desk, he doesn't give a shit about any of this. He's out there deflecting. He's out there tweeting conspiracy theories today about the 75-year-old guy who got pushed down. He said that that guy, I, I don't know if you've seen this tweet uh, today. Some, but some type of a scrambling device. I will read the tweet. Buffalo protester shoved by police could be an Antifa prov- provocateur. 75-year-old Martin Gugino was pushed away after appearing to scan police communications in order to black out the equipment. 
at O-A-N-N, I watched. He fell harder than he was pushed. Was aiming scanner. Could be a setup. This is the president of the United fucking States tweeting out this conspiratorial bullshit. You sound like Alex Jones on crack. And this is the man who, who is in charge of the United States. It's unbelievable. So he is not interested in, in listening. He is interested in coming up with his own theories and planning everything based on what he thinks. What he thinks is wrong <laughs> more often than not. I'll just say that. Um, so that's, that's one of the major issues. And with him, he still not necessarily controls, but there are half, less than half the country that agree with a lot of things that he says. So that's unfortunate because he represents in a very antiquated way of thinking. And we need someone who is going to listen to people that are out here experiencing the issues um, that are going through the things day to day, like we've talked about over the past few minutes. But that should not deter us entirely because his day in office is going to come up or his time in office is going to come up very shortly. You know, if he's reelected, we'll deal with that when we get there. But my point is, have the conversations locally with people that are in chain or in charge that can affect change. Continue to escalate those up even higher and higher as far as it will go. Eventually, if enough people are on board with substantial change, the president, no matter who it is at the time, will be forced to pay attention or sacrifice or basically, you know, have political suicide if he at that point decides to disagree when you have a majority of people on board with something. So that's where we have to get to. I think right now we're in we're in that second stage where people are listening, people are making changes in the local governments, but it's still not enough, not nearly enough. Like it's just barely just the beginning, barely just the beginning. And I hope I hope this doesn't lose steam. I hope I hope the hashtags don't stop after this week. You know, I mean, I hope I hope the hashtags when we're talking about people's names stop. I don't want to see any more deaths. I'm talking about the Black Lives Matter hashtags. I want to keep I want to see those keep going. I want to see more change from these lawmakers um, at the local level to affect change at higher levels as it continues to escalate up. I used to have a, a bit of a bromance with Henry Rollins. Um, I, I got his email address, his actual email address, and I know from reading his books that he always responds to all fan mail. And so I used to like email him every now and then. And uh, I, I remember when, when Trump first announced his candidacy, I asked him, I said, what are your thoughts on the candidates? And he said, uh, he said, well, he said, you know, I don't think Bernie's electable because he's all about uniting the people and, you know, he's all about justice and doing the right thing. And he's like, quite honestly, the American people have never been about that. That's why it's never worked anytime somebody's tried. And, and you know, he wasn't being negative. He wasn't saying like, oh, I don't like Bernie. He was saying, no, this is the reality. This is just how we are. And we saw it twice in a fucking row. This is the guy that probably should have been on the ballot, but... The, 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 the party was so divided that they were trying to out-freaking-crazy each other that they couldn't get on board. And, like, two times in a row, this is a guy who potentially could have, uh, I don't know. I would have been interested to see what would happen in the general elections the first time around, and especially now against Donald Trump. But anyway, Henry went on to say, 
this was years ago before Trump got elected. He said, he said, I am a street kid. I can smell a hustle from a mile away. He said, Donald Trump's idea of a great America, he keeps talking about making America great again. I, Donald Trump's idea of a great America is one where we stay addicted to credit cards, cable television, and tobacco, and where black and poor people know their place in society. That's his idea. That's Donald Trump's idea of a great America. And I was like, damn, that is so fucking on point. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, he's like, he's kind of like that mentality. just like, hey, I'm, I'm the boss. Like, at the end of the day, it's like, whatever I say is right. And, you know, every time he gives a speech where he actually says, you know, his words are great, I, I go, oh, I almost fucking took the bait there. But I, then, I, then I forget, somebody wrote that shit for you. It was disingenuous. You didn't fucking mean it because your actions speak. I mean, hell, the same day that he said, we're deploying the troops to protect those peaceful people from the violent ones. Now, I'm all for that. I don't like it. I don't like the troops being anywhere near civilians. Um, but if that's the reason you're going to say that they're there, that's one thing. And then the very same day, had the Secret Service use tear gas to push back peaceful protesters so that he could do a the creepiest fucking photo op at a church that he didn't even know was Episcopalian because he's probably never even been there. I, I think uh, going all the way back to James Madison, people have been going to, the presidents have been going to that church. I'm surprised the fucking church didn't goddamn go back up in flames when he walked in. And I'm damn surprised that Bible didn't burst into flames when he was holding it there. Dude, he, that's the thing. It, it looked, the he thing, looked man. just yeah, as like... miserable as the Bible did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like... My mom, there was a joke, like, you know, in the family, like growing up, we, we grew up Catholic. We were, you know, we grew up very religious. And that was the thing, like, whenever you lie, like, God would strike you down with lightning in your, where you stand, right? Like, that was the thing. <laughs> and, like, I know my mom had to be watching that, like, like, or my grandma, you know, if she was still with us, she would have been like, boy, he's pretty, lucky that, li- he li- he's lucky the lightning didn't strike him right there. Like, <laughs> Their price is probably hoping for it. Exactly. Like, but that's the thing, like, you see, and you said the same day. Yeah. Be more specific. It was literally minutes after he said, <laughs> I stand in solidarity with, you right, know, with, right, with protesters. Right. And then you go, you turn around and tear gas them so you could go take this dumbass photo yeah. when you're holding the Bible upside down. And someone oh. asks you, one of the reporters asks you, is that your Bible? It's, it's, it's a Bible. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, what are we doing here, man? What are we doing? Seriously. Yeah, I mean, we... if, if you notice, and it's, I, I have a hard time seeing why people are still um, spellbound. I mean, like I said, we can go off on him all day. I want to. I got a couple sure. things I want to get to, but um, the, the last thing I'll say on 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 the orange uh, man is that hmm. you know I, I get the initial appeal when he first came out. I'll be honest with you, when I saw his uh, him announcing his candidacy. I saw the video on Facebook. I swear to God, I, I swear to God, Matt, I thought it was one of those bad lip-reading videos, and I laughed yeah. my ass off because I, I said, damn, that motherfucker sounds exactly like Trump, like whoever's doing that voiceover. I didn't pay much attention to it until I went to work the next day, and it was on in the break room as I'm going to put my lunch in the refrigerator. And I was like, wait, he, it was on the news. I was like, well, he actually said that. I was like, Phew. I was like, okay, well... This is a publicity stunt that ain't going to last long. And as Howard Stern says constantly, he's like, I don't think that motherfucker even wanted to be president. I think he was just fucking doing another publicity stunt and didn't think he would actually get elected. And now that he is, he's like, yeah, 
he's 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 hyping himself all his own gimmick. He's like, yeah, I am. Because <laughs> every speech he gives is the same thing. It's just a bunch of buzzwords. It's empty. He talks about how great and magnificent, and they're saying, who the fuck is they? Your your fucking seals that just fucking that clap every time you fucking fart. Like, you know, your yes men. And guess what? All the dissenters that have left out of there didn't leave on their own terms. They either left because they got indicted, because they were one of his crooked-ass cronies, or you have General Mad Dog Mattis, who has mm-hmm. now denounced President Trump. And I was surprised. Actually, I can't say I'm surprised, though. I was surprised how many of my fellow military and, and, and just, you know, and, and conservative people that came out of the woodwork and just without even reading the actual statement he made and just saw the headline and were just making stupid comments like, oh, oh, I didn't know Marines could be libtards and blah, blah. It's like, well, did you actually see what he's fucking saying? Like, you're going to tell me that just based on partisan bullshit, instead of focusing on the human element, which is the only thing that matters here, you're going to side with a shady real estate tycoon, adulterer, known liar, yeah. accused racist. I won't even go into that because that's a whole other podcast. But you're going to side with him versus a, yeah. a, a draft dodger versus a fucking war general from the Marine Corps who, who left President Trump's cabinet on his own terms, not because he was crooked and because he got fucking indicted during the investigations. Not because he jumped on a grenade for President Trump doing all this illegal shit that, that his... That his and, and, and their only defense... I mean, I just can't believe this is real life. It works. They just dismiss it by saying, it's fake news. It's a witch hunt. He gets that traction going on Twitter, and next thing you know, it spills over into real life. And people actually... And I'm talking about people who are educated. And people... Who, I can't speak too much on this as a military guy because he is the commander-in-chief, but I will say... There's a lot of people, especially veterans, who can speak freely because they're not in anymore, that mm-hmm. feel the way I do. That's like, hey, man, you know what? It's been real and it's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. Here's the thing, man. Like, you, can't, you just can't be that guy who's on uh, Twitter uh, talking about conspiracy theories uh, or calling your fucking your ex-porn star mistress horse face on, on social media. <laughs> like, that, that's the goddamn president of the United States. And I'm just giving you a couple examples. This is like this is like one day in the life of him. Let him go on a Twitter rampage and start talking craziness. Let him get up on the microphone and go off script and start saying how he really feels. Well, the whole world is watching. And that includes our citizens in this country who, um, who expect a, a fair and just society that we've, we've built and we've been cultivating and, and, and trying to maintain for several years. But... Um, People like that in a position of power, people like police chiefs, people like mayors, governors who feel the same way that, that he does, and they've been outed before in my lifetime, in your lifetime, Matt Wells. I mean, I've been re- listening to a lot of Rage Against the Machine lately. I posted a, a <laughs> quote from Zach De La Roca. You know, some of those that some of yeah. those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Some of those that burn crosses are the same that hold office. Mm-hmm. We, I, I've seen them outed in my lifetime, literally. KKK yeah. members that were in Congress. So, you know, that's just what we know about. That's all I'm saying. It's just mind-blowing, man. It really is mind-blowing. And it, but like you were saying, you know, the way, that, the way that he came in to be, like he was speaking to a lot of people, a lot of people that felt that they were overlooked. So when you start 
talking their language, so to speak, and you start using every speech that the man has, he speaks in absolutes and it's delusions of grandeur and it's all sounds amazing and everything. And all the while, he's never Dave, giving Dave you any specifics. Called, yeah, Dave Chappelle called it the, uh, the he's playing the greatest hits. He's exactly. playing their greatest hits. <laughs> exactly. And, and all the while, not once has he ever proposed a single solution in any speech that he's ever given. You listen to any other politician, they're going to give you at least some nuggets of their plan, how they actually plan to execute it while they're giving speeches. Trump, it's all absolutes. Everything's going to be great. Resurgence of America. We're making America great again. Like, you're going to say how? It's all empty. You're going to say how? No, oh, it's, it's, all, gonna... it's all a show. Oh, it's a we're beautiful gonna, we're, candy show. How? <laughs> well, you know, that, that was the thing that made me think he, he was unelectable initially. It was like, okay, I watched, you know, I tried to be a grown-up. And, and watched the Republican debates, and, and, and I was like, man, you know, a lot of times the shit that he was saying on there would get misquoted. Or, or I'm not one of these people that looks to pick everything he says and go, oh, that's fucked up. Some, some people do that. And, 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 you know, I don't believe that's fair. But, it, again, everything was based on building this wall. And to me, I was just like, okay, <laughs> that's where you kind of lose me because I get what you're trying to do is you're trying to get all those maniacs to come out of the woodwork. The people who really don't like um, other people, you know, people of color being here and Mexicans being yeah. in this country. Um, but you know what, man? Uh, that is just not something I can get behind. But yeah, I, I definitely don't want to open borders and I believe in border security and, and so does every civilized country. Um, but kids in fucking cages? I mean, what are we, fucking animals? Um, <laughs> refugees? We're, we're, what is that fucking, uh, uh, what is that goddamn, uh, that famous, like, saying that's on one of those statues? Uh, you know, like, like Statue of Liberty, you know. I, I can't quote, give us your tired, you're hungry, sick, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, or the, uh, I mean, the church, the church that he held the Bible in. Did you see in the back? The, it had you know those little those little uh, those little sandwich boards that has mm-hmm. like you know specific and it said all are welcome. A lot of people have posted that and they're like yeah, look at the fucking irony. Trump exactly. standing right next to all are welcome. <laughs> and that's that's part of the that's part of the major thing, right? It's it's the people that support him and, and people that have that ide- ideology of him. They are immigrants themselves, but they want you to believe that the immigration stopped or started after they arrived. You know, like they want you, they don't, they want you to forget that they were immigrants. At his, one point. Mo- his mom it was an immigrant, first generation United States. His wife is an immigrant. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's, it just comes down to that whole su- supremacy thing that we're talking that essentially that's been the underlying theme, like of what, we, what we've been talking about when it comes to the police brutality and everything like that. When you have these people, man, like they're speaking, like again, he's, he's speaking their language. And that language is tied into supremacy and racism. <laughs> it really is. Like the, the, the best quote about his entire candidacy that I've heard is that not everybody who votes for Trump is racist, but every racist votes for Donald Trump. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, no, like you said, they came out of the woodwork. And we saw it a lot with George Bush, too. It's like people who... Yeah, I was working at Walmart in college, you know? People who are, like, living in trailer parks, you know? And it's like just because of their their their... Christian values, they just feel this obligation. Remember when the Dixie Chicks fucking got, like, canceled by, by white people because they got up there and criticized George Bush? And meanwhile, they're, like, 
one of the most talented fucking groups out there, and I and my wife and I still love them. But it's like, dude, we, we we're so fucking tied to our. And then they will be the first one to accuse, um, to accuse you know black people or other people of color of of aligning to identity politics. Well, I got news for you. I'm writing my master's thesis about the NRA and the propaganda that they use to mm-hmm. manipulate people. And uh, it's a little depressing, but it's interesting because there's a lot to work with. Um, but, but you know what? Uh, it, it's, it's, again, they're playing these people like a fiddle because a lot of times it's a slam dunk. It's a built-in audience. All you have to do is say something about God and fucking, you know, gay people shouldn't be married and fucking guns, and then boom, you got a lot of those people already on board. And anything that deviates from that? So that's the biggest example of fucking identity politics you can ever find. I'm not saying that, that people on the left don't do it as well, because they definitely do, but I'm, what I'm saying is somebody like Tommy Lahren, you know, or any of these talking heads, you don't get to sit up here and fucking, you know, be a hypocrite about the same exact shit that you're doing when other people do it. Um, funny, funny thing about Tommy Lahren since you brought her name up again. You know, she I went know, to, I, I'm, I'm in the grad school program at UNLV. I teach yes. intro to news writing. That's where she yes. went to school. Yeah, I was, I was going to say she went to school with someone that we probably both know. Um, I won't say her name here, but I'll tell you after, after the fact, after you stop recording. But went to school with her and said before she became Tommy Lahren that everybody knows, she was still racist as fuck. <laughs> so just, just a little nugget to throw out there. Yeah. No, I bet. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, like I said, man, uh, the orange man has been playing them like a fiddle from day one. And he, just like Nero, uh, played the fiddle while Rome burned. He's doing the same thing from his bunker. Uh, all right. So we're going to, I'm going to end on this note. We're going to transition back to sports. We're going to stay in politics. I know earlier I told you about how I've taken some time to, to shut up and listen and Again, anyone who knows me, uh, I'm big on critical thinking, and I'm also big on resolutions. I don't like New Year's resolutions, although I'm not opposed to them. I just think if you find something that needs a change that you can affect change on, if it's in your life or something that you're doing for yourself or for somebody you care about or just for your, your fellow man, make the fucking change. Just do it. Again, don't let those identity politics, don't let things that you, you feel that you have to be obligated because you're going to let certain people down. Fuck that. You know what I mean? I, everybody, I treat everybody like family, and then, like I said, the rest falls into place. I treat everyone that I meet on this planet as if they're family. And that goes both ways. If my fucking brother goddamn gets out of line, I'm going to slap the shit out of him too. So respect is, is a two-way street. All right. So you, I see that you have Colin Kaepernick at the back there. You're a big Colin Kaepernick guy. You love Colin Kaepernick. So I'm going to give you an example of something where I, and this didn't actually happen in the last couple weeks. This happened probably in the last couple years. So my initial thought, first, if you remember, he didn't kneel. He actually sat down on the bench while the national anthem was playing. Now, I heard that secondhand, and of course, my knee-jerk reaction is I'm fucking furious. I'm like, that fucking cocksucker, fuck him. Mm -hmm. You know, it's his right to do that. But, you know, I'm like, you know what? What a fucking asshole. Then he mm-hmm. starts doing the thing where he's kneeling. Now, I'm still like, you know, fuck this guy. Like, you don't get to hide behind an agenda and then do something disrespectful and say that's the reason. But I also heard the other perspectives. And you're, you're a big one, and you're one that I respect. And I, and I saw a lot of times, you've been preaching this to your blue in the face. You know, like, no, he's not, 
it's not about disrespecting the flag. So here, in, so here's where I, I was at a stalemate. Because my thing is, okay, I get what you're saying. He's protesting. But it is still disrespectful to the flag. And then I've also seen where you came out and said, look, if we protest this way, y'all tell us, sit the fuck down. Don't, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. We protest that way, we're wrong. So the man takes a knee, he does nothing wrong, and you still fucking chastise. So I took a look at that, and I heard you, and I heard a lot of people saying that. I said, you know, you, you, you make a damn good point. You make a damn good point. He, but I, I still don't like it, because he's still kneeling during the national anthem, and I don't like that. So I continue to follow the situation, and it's not, I didn't hate the guy. I wasn't like, you know, some of these people, or like the president of the United States, for example, <laughs> who thinks that we have to mandate patriotism. You know, as Jesse Ventura said, hey, you know what? Even if I don't agree with what, what is standing, not saying I do or don't, but I fought for this country. That's a First Amendment right. I'm not going to fucking chastise somebody for that. And then you have the government that's trying to mandate patriotism. You can't fucking mandate patriotism. You earn it. And the only people that have ever tried to mandate patriotism, look how those fucking countries ended up. Think of Nazi Germany. I mean, I don't like yeah. the comparisons of Trump to Hitler because I think that's ridiculous. But that situation also didn't happen overnight. It happened because he also figured out how to get into the psyche of the right people and get them to come out of the woodwork. And they took power and they tried to take over the fucking world before we went over there and kicked them in the dick. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll quote my man, oh, Andreas Hale. I, I'm sorry. I, no, I want to hear, hear what you said. So he, it's okay. So here's where I was at. I was looking at, so I heard you and I heard Jesse Ventura and, and I, and I have a lot of respect for him, even though he's kind of gotten crazy, but I go, you know what? He's fucking right though. Like, okay. So I was like, I'm, I'm at the point now to where like, I'm not. I'm not offended by it. I'm still kind of at a stalemate where I'm like, I don't like it. If, and again, but it goes back to what you said. I can't, it's not my place to tell anybody how they should do it. You know, I mean, he could get over there and, and, and rip the flag down. He could come out there with his own flag and burn it. He could be, a, he could be an asshole and do that. He's not, he's not even, he's not even trying to disrespect the flag. And then when I saw the story about the fucking, like, it was an ex-Navy SEAL or something that told him, hey, man, if you're going to protest, don't sit down, because that's disrespectful. If you kneel, it's not. And that was when I really kind of was like, all right, you know what? Again, are we going to sit here and have a situation where we're going to fight something so hard that we're, we're going to fight it to the point where we can justify a guy putting his knee on somebody's neck for eight minutes and torturing him to death in broad daylight on the hot asphalt while he's crying out for his mother. So if all he's going to do is kneel and he's not kneeling on somebody's neck, then I don't have a problem with it. Now, I would never do it personally, but I will tell you this. If he were to go out there and stand with a raised fist, I would go out there in a military uniform and I'd stand right next to him. The kneeling I just can't do, but again, I, I, I don't have a problem because, like I said, it's, it's like you said, you can't tell somebody how to protest, you damn sure can't tell somebody how to feel, and if they're an American citizen, you can't tell them it's not their right to do and feel those things. For sure. 
for sure. And and I'll go to my man, Andreas Hale, who is very eloquent and speaks so well when it comes to these topics. Um, you go to his Twitter, his pinned tweet, probably one of my favorite tweets of all time ever, one of my favorite statements of all time um, in regards to things like this. It's, we march, y'all mad. Mm-hmm. We sit down, y'all mad. We speak up, y'all mad. We die, y'all silent. And that explains in a nutshell right there that there is no acceptable way to protest to a lot of people, right? That's and what, protest, yeah. protest is not supposed to be comfortable for anybody. The whole reason to protest is to create unrest, um, whether it be peacefully or violently. It's to get your attention in a way that you're not normally going to pay attention to. And when, one of the things that people love to point out is that, you know, I don't like the way you're doing this. I don't like the way he's kneeling. Well, if he wasn't kneeling or if he was doing something in the locker room or somewhere off camera, you wouldn't have paid attention. The way he did that made you pay attention, whether you agreed with it or not. And that's the whole purpose of it. All right. Mm-hmm. Then you start to pay attention. Why was he doing that? Then you start to pay attention to his interviews. Then you start to listening to the words that he's saying. Or you start listening to the words that other people are trying to deflect from the words that he is, he is saying, like Donald Trump, trying to say that it was about the flag. He's still doing that to this day. Um, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, a protest is supposed to grab your attention and make you feel a certain way, right? Whether you agree with it or not. Did it grab your attention? Then the protest worked. Did it make you ask questions? Then the protest worked. Did the did it create change? Well, that's maybe here nor there. That's something that's going to be debated or figured out at some point later on down the line. But did it grab your attention? Did it make you care? Did it make you feel a certain way? Then the protest worked. That's that's the whole genesis of all of it, right? Were you paying attention? Yes. Okay, then I did my job. <laughs> Are you willing to listen after that? Then hey, I really did my job effectively. So I, that's where we go from it in, in that regard. I think we've, we've, we've said it all. We've said a lot. We've covered it all. We've been here almost two hours, and I, I got no problem with that for at sure, all. For sure. I hope that, yeah. uh, you know, I, I hope that, like I said, people who need to hear this message hear it, and I hope that others who are like-minded also hear it so that they, they kind of know where we stand and, and how we've articulated our feelings. I think we do a pretty good job of, of vocalizing that anyway, but like I said, man, I want to make sure that I'm encouraging other folks who look like me to um, not only talk about it, but be about it. I've been on this planet 39 years, and I was born into it. So for me, it was, you know, I've always been an ally, um, but it's, it's about living the lifestyle too, not just about, trust me, man, I've had some conversations privately with like Ant and, you know, other folks. I'm like, Dude, my twenty-year-old self is 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 out there in spirit, <laughs> fucking sticking Same. into the med. Trust me on that. Like I, ha- I have a wife and children now. Like I can't be, you know. I'm sorry, and it, like, dude, listen. I mean, that might sound like an excuse, but the other thing is, in Las Vegas, they've been very peaceful, but there, we know that there's been some bad actors have integrated some of these things too, because there was a police officer that got shot in the head, and. I don't think that was a peaceful protest at all. I think that was some fucking maniac who probably would have done that anyway. So, um, 
Yeah, that's yep, that's really it, sad. But I, I'm not going. I'm not risking my fucking life going out where people are out there goddamn killing people. Yeah, it's too unpredictable, man. It's too unpredictable, and it's one of those things like. I wanted to be down, like I like I told you in DM like I wanted to go down downtown Dallas the other day or when this first started. But at the same time, it's like how are people going to be acting? How are the police going to act? Yeah, the police. You no, know, it's too. it's too unpredictable, man. It's too unpredictable. And I wanted to be down there for two reasons. One, not only to say and go out there and put my face in the movement and actually be out there with signs and everything, but I'm also like I I'm a I'm an amateur photographer as well. Like I want to go out there and capture these moments and really like use my my artistic view to bring that in, in a still image and share those images out to the world too. But same time, man, I, I've yeah, got people is, think is, about is, like, is your, is, yeah, is your camera going to get fucking demolished? Like, is it going to get, are you get shot with rubber bullets and fucking, yeah. You know I mean? They're, and they're I, arresting again, mayors. <laughs> they've arrested like a, a, a Senator, I think like a black dude. Did you see that? Yeah. It's, it's just madness, man. It's madness. <laughs> They're, um, they're, they're I, shooting the fucking media with rubber bullets and fucking. Uh, yeah, I don't want. Yeah, I'm not going near there. If the army deploys me, but I, I tell you, man, I, I will. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I've seen some good things out of my soldiers, man. I was telling uh, somebody the other day, I'm like, look, you saw that 75 year old guy that got pushed down, and like, it goes back to what I was saying before about compassion, about policing, you know, using escalation of force. It's like. You got this fucking little frail old man. You're just gonna. That's your first reaction is to shove him. Like I get you're in a heightened state of you know whatever. It's like, dude, it doesn't take that much force. I could fucking subdue any of you fucks without using that much fucking effort. You know, and I'm talking about those cops. And it's like, dude, you right. got to shove the guy. Like, what 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 is with that? Or are these kids or these girls? It's like you got to fucking pelt people with a rubber fucking bullet just because they you know they're too close to you. It's not that fucking complicated, guy. That doesn't have to be your go-to. It's like their on switch is like aggression. They're fucking arresting reporters out there. They're fucking pelting people with, you know, like I said, people who are just there. And But if you saw that guy fall, the only people who went and checked on him, the two soldiers. They went and they, they took a knee and they went and, and rendered first aid. And, and I just remember thinking because that is exactly what my reaction was. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck, even if I am law enforcement, even if I am in, in, in the line of duty, so to speak, if I hurt somebody, even if they're a perp, holy fuck, man, that wasn't cool. The guy's bleeding from the ears. We're not meant to fucking, yeah, I'm not meant to be out here doing that. You know, even if he is protesting, even if he's being a prick, I, I don't know if he was. I'm just saying, it, you know what? But you notice the soldiers had compassion because that's the way we're trained. That's the way we believe. And I, I want to make sure that message gets out there as well because I've seen some people like Ice Cube, for example, which I'll fucking slap the shit out of him if I ever see him because I, I side with Ice-T. Ice Cube has, has, has been mobilizing a lot of people too, but Ice, Ice Cube had some, had some shitty words about soldiers. And so I got, I got some hands for him if I ever see him, and that's real shit. But... Uh, I want people to know that, man. That's not how we operate. We do not operate as police officers in our own country. And we have, we have a police force within that acts as a police force for our own community and occasionally overseas, you know. But, I mean, at no time would it ever be okay for us to police people like that. Escalation of force is where you approach every situation with the appropriate amount of force. Example, if... Uh, 
if, 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 a, if a black guy in a, in a black community goes into a freaking liquor store and tries to pass a $20 check, I reckon we don't have to fucking torture him to death in broad daylight. Yeah, I mean, that's just a basic common sense, like, things that should be basic common sense, right? Like, what are, what are we talking about here? This man, like, how do, how do you even get to the point where he's on the ground with three cops on top of him? over a supposed $20 counterfeit bill. Like that, that's a conversation and like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go downtown now. Like, no, like there's no reason for this man to be like ripped onto the ground like that. Like it's just well, insane. Uh, allegedly they had, you know, he, he was having some kind of medical distress, which is why they pulled him out of the, uh, they, they, they pulled him out of the vehicle, which I'm like, okay, this is all kinds of, so He's in medical distress, and your 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 plan was to bring him out of the car and put him on the ground and put your knee on his neck. So right. how is that helping? Med- I'm no doctor, but that doesn't seem that's going to help any kind of medical distress of any kind if you're restricting the blood flow to the brain. And of course, we know that ultimately led to his death. I'm uh, I'm thoroughly depressed. Uh, my doctor just called. Actually, I just missed uh, my appointment, so I got to get off the line and try to get okay. that back. And uh, before we get off, I just want to say thank you for the yeah, candid man. perspective. And uh, for sure, thanks for having me on. Let us know where we can find more of you. Um, at Mr. M Wells Art on Twitter and Instagram, uh, where you can find me there. Um, and of course, you know, I'll write a few articles here and there for fans. I did uh, Flow Combat as well. And podcast, YouTube channel, Slip and Dip Podcast. Check out the stuff there. Um, hopefully we get all that stuff fired up again here pretty soon. But, yeah, man, uh, thanks for having me on, man. Like, these conversations can go on literally for days and days and days because there's no, there's no quick way to really talk about all of those issues and encapsulate it perfectly. No, not <laughs> and, at all. no matter how many. So, there, I mean, it can go on and on and on. And that's, that's really the... the key thing man is making sure these conversations continue so change does come um at some point so say good night to the bad guys